Hi, I'm Fanny. Hi, I'm Jace. Welcome to the Freelance Creative Exchange, where every episode we speak to a freelancer about freelancing and the gig economy. And today, our special guest is Wesley from the LaSalle College of the Arts. Yeah, Wesley is a lecturer at the LaSalle College of the Arts. Uh, he's also a filmmaker and um, he has just released his full-length documentary, I Want to Go Home. And he has made his world premiere at a prestigious film festival and was one of the 10 entries shortlisted to compete in the BIFF's uh, What Anchor Documentary Competition. Yeah. So, Wesley, thank you for joining us <laughs> on the show today. Me. Yeah, um, Maybe you'd like to actually share with our audience a bit about yourself and the background and introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Uh, my name is Wesley. I'm a lecturer at LaSalle College of the Arts. Um, I've been there for the past five, six years. And um, other than teaching, I also do films and I, I try to direct, direct as much as I can here and there. But mainly I'm interested in writing, um, the different forms of writing, whether it's script writing or writing um, more on the literature side, whether it's a, like a novel or a short story, right. or maybe if it's a play. So writing something that I'm, I'm quite passionate about. Right. And and Wesley Reason's project, I Want to Go Home, well, was actually a huge, I would say, success. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations on, on the book and also on the documentary. Would you like to share with us a bit about the book and documentaries on I Want to Go Home? Um, sure. Um, I Want to Go Home is the story of um, Mr. Takamatsu. Mm. So it, it um, how it came about was about Four years ago, I read mm. an article in the an online article about mm. his story saying um, he lost his wife during the 2011 tsunami, and since then he's been diving in the sea every week to search mm. for her. So when I read this online article, I was really um, um, inspired by him, and I wanted mm. to find out why is he still diving. Mm. So I wanted to do um, a book about him. Mm. Um, the main reason is to share his story with more people. Mm. Um, hopefully, they can be inspired, um, just as how he has inspired me. Right. So the book was always the, like the primary project, mm. but as I got to meet him and um, as the project went on its way, a documentary kind of had to be made mm. in order to get the project rolling. So mm. that's how the documentary um, came about as well. So right. there's two things, but they're both kind of different. Mm. Um, the book is more of my my experience with meeting him mm. while the documentary is more of a profile piece mm. on Mr. Takamatsu. Right. So mm. how long do you spend in Japan with uh, Mr. Takamatsu um, for this project? For this project, the good thing is that um, even before going to Japan, we talked over email for a year. Mm. So we will talk every week and I will ask him questions just to get to know him. Mm. And then um, eventually when I had enough funding to go and meet him, mm. um, we only could I could only spare about one one week to, mm. to actually be with him in Onagawa mm. due to due to work. Right. So but one week was was kind of enough because um prior to that I talked to him for one year. So mm. when I met him it was like I kinda already knew him. Mm. Yeah, so it, it helped helped a great deal. Right, right. So how about the language? Um, you know, um, um do you meet with any challenges or any difficulty in terms of the different language that you are conversing mm. in? Um Mr. Takamatsu only speaks Japanese mm -hmm. and doesn't really understand English. And mm. I speak English, I don't understand <laughs> Japanese. So when we, when I was embarking on the project mm. and I was when I was to email him, mm. I realized okay, we won't under understand each other. Right. So I had to find a translator to help us translate our messages. Mm. But at that point in time I don't have any funding to do the project mm. or and also neither did I think it would be a project. Mm. At that point in time my main aim was just to talk to him. Mm. And so I happened to find a friend's friend who mm. um, she's based in Melbourne but she used to be from Japan mm. and she decided to help out for free mm. um, to help to translate all our emails so oh. it's a bit it's a bit tedious because mm. I would 
before I could email Mr. Kama- Mr. Mm. Takamatsu, I would go through Miki, who's the mm. lady who does the right. translation. And then she will send it back to me, then I'll send it to Takamatsu, <laughs> then you'll send it back to me, and it'll go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, all the way for right. one year. Until today, we're still talking that, oh. in this, this way. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, so until today, you're still in contact with yeah. Mr. Takamatsu. Yeah. Oh, wow. Does he know the success that your documentary has, has made um, in, um, in different regions? <laughs> in a way, because we're friends on Facebook, so oh. he always says all my posts about it. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So he, he's aware that he's actually a star right now. <laughs> uh, not really a star, but yeah, he does know his story is um, shown in different countries. So right, yeah. right. I yeah. guess the thing about people in the creative industry is, I mean, be freelancers or, you know, mm. uh, like, like yourself, a lecturer, is uh, how do they find time to juggle, like, you know, the day job or like mm. a, as a freelancer, like yeah. the projects and, you know, mm. something, you know, which you want to pursue of their passion. Yeah. Mm. So during that time, how, okay, what was the motivation? How mm. do you, you know, conv- because it takes, you yeah. know, takes place over yeah. a year, mm. you know, how do you, keep, you know, constantly motivating yourself to, you know, finish and complete the project? Um, I think for me, um, it's difficult to, it can be difficult to juggle mm. Um, mm. depending on the nature of the of the project. Mm. Um, so for so I try to choose projects where I can work independently. Mm. For example, writing a script mm. and it's just me doing it at my own time. Mm. Um, it's more difficult if you want to work on a production with mm. 20 people and it has to be on these dates of a yeah. shoot. And um, right. yeah, so I, I need like that flexibility. Mm. So for this project, um, it also helps when you have the support of the people around you who understand that, okay, you need time. Mm. But I think at the end of the day, um, all of us have like 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And there's only so much we can stretch some mm. parts, but which means that um, many things have to be sacrificed along, mm. along the way as well. Mm. So maybe, okay, you can't play that video game you wanted to play, <laughs> or you can't meet up with your friends who are meeting up this week because mm. you have to do something else. Mm. And um. So you need to have like loved ones and friends who kind of understand like, okay, mm. you might need a little bit more time at this mm. at this stage. Yeah. Mm. But you also need to have the discipline, right? Yeah. To, to actually yeah. <laughs> meet yeah. the timeline all this. So do you set yourself timeline for this project or actually it's kind of like a loose timing, you know, depending on what parts you can put together. But what I'm interested to know is what's the driving force. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of times we started something that we don't yeah. complete. I mean, mm. I mean, yes, we, we, we understand. But mm. what was the driving force for you to really complete the project? And it, not just the documentary, but, you know, also the book. book. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, think, I think for me, um, doing all these small independent projects, mm. I get... Um, frustrated even mm. now I'm working on something and it's, I get frustrated because I feel I'm not doing it fast enough mm. it's, it's very slow it's taking three years mm. to do something which if I just did it by myself and had all the time maybe it took mm. you can take just six months mm. so it's um, frustrating um, mm. but it's something you just have to accept in life yeah mm. but for this project um, I think um, when I was when I was uh, doing the project uh I, I just had, I think prior to this project, it was like my first feature documentary. Mm. And before doing this project, I would go to um, organizations to pitch ideas. Mm. And usually they get turned down and those are like right. feature ideas. Right. And then, okay, then the project gets like pushed behind. I never think mm. about it again. Okay. So that happened like two, three, four times. Mm. And so I was speaking to a friend and this was the project I wanted to do. Mm. So I brought this project to the organization to pitch again mm. and they turned mm. it down again. Mm. So I was like, oh no, I don't have any funding, which means right. maybe this project won't happen. Okay. Um, and I was speaking to a friend about it. Um, his name is BTM. So, mm. and um, he's part of um, this organization called 13 Little Pictures. Mm. So he told me, um, even if you don't get the funding, you should really just push ahead with this project and, and just find a way to mm. do it. So mm. so that's why I, I decided, okay, even if I have no funding at that stage, mm. I'll still just push ahead and maybe things will 
will come into place as we as we mm. go along, which actually it did at some mm. some part. So what attracted you for this particular project? Is it the is it the situations? Is it that um, you you know what exactly draw you to have the a connection? Yeah, mm. a connection and the commitment to say okay, even if without something, right? <laughs> you know, with my busy schedule, I still want to pursue or to, to um, continue. I think it was his it was his story. Mm. I. Um, when I found when I found out okay he's diving in the sea every week to mm. search for his wife mm. and when I tell friends this story I'm saying I'm doing this I'm, I'm interested in this in mm. this guy's story he's diving in the sea every week to search for mm. his wife and she was lost during the tsunami mm. four or five years prior and they're like mm. what? Mm. what is he intending to find? he's never going to find his wife she's, mm. she's not there mm. logically she's not there mm. so and for me I'm interested to find out why is he mm. why is he really doing mm. that mm. so eventually I did find out yeah. um and I think the project became, um, I just really wanted to share a story with people mm. because I think the online article that came out, it was around for a day or two and then mm. people did read it and go, oh, I'm affected by it. But then it kind of mm. went away as yeah. well. Right. And then people forgot about it. Yeah. So I wanted to do something that expanded on that one page article mm. um, that's a little bit deeper and for them, hopefully they might be inspired by, mm. by it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right. So I think it's the... It's the um, a long process, right? Mm. Um, so I think as with all freelancers as well, you really have to juggle their yeah, so-called the paid job, commission yeah. job, and also passion, right? Yeah. Because a lot of time, I mean, of course, the, the, the best scenario is, you know, your passion is also your work, but most of the time, it may mm. not be so. So, um, so. so in that sense, right, for freelancers like this who is also juggling with, you know, both their commission work as well as their passion project, um, would you also advise them to actually, um, you know, continue... Uh, or, or rather, I would say, uh, my question is, um, do you think it's important for, for creative, right, to also have small projects or, you know, um, passion projects like this to do mm. at the side, right, it on top of what, you know, uh, fill their stomachs? Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> I think it's um, extremely important. Mm. I think, for example, myself, um, I'm teaching, teaching filmmaking. Mm. And because I'm not working full-time as a filmmaker, mm. um, I need to do small projects to be a little bit more relevant, mm. to know what's going on around. And mm. so I won't be rusty. Um, mm. So I, I think it's extremely important. And those who might be in similar positions, mm. uh, I, I think in that res- aspect, it's, mm. it's important mm. so that you won't lose touch. And also you mm. won't kind of, it won't become one of those things where, I mean, sometimes uh, for some, they may always talk about projects. Mm. You know, I tend to do this. I want to do this. Or I have this big idea. I want to do this and do this. And then when you meet them four years later, they're still yeah. talking about projects. And uh, yeah, so sometimes you kind of need to push it, push ahead and, and just mm. do it sometimes. But mm. it's not so easy. Not, yeah. Not all the times can you just do it because you want to do a feature fiction film. Mm. You can't just, okay, I'm just going to do it by myself. It's, it's mm. not going to happen. So... I mean, we know mm. that you have been yeah. submitting short films yes. since you are 19 years yeah. old. <laughs> so in total, do you have a number? How many of such projects have you... Um, in regards to short films? Or yeah, like, uh, yeah. Any, any projects yeah, that you have submitted or any project mm. that you have worked on started, since, yeah. since you started at the age of 19 till oh. now? Um, quite a few, okay. I think. <laughs> um, but mainly they fall in aspects of short films okay. and writing. Uh. So I did write um, short films quite aggressively okay. from maybe 19 to the age of 28. <laughs> uh, so I did, I think, maybe 13 to 14 short films mm. during oh, that period. Wow. Um, and then after that, I was doing more writing mm. um, because it was a little bit more comfortable with um, with my job. Mm. And also, I think I was doing my 
postgraduate studies at the time, which was mm. in writing as well. Mm. So I wanted to do more writing stuff mm. at that time. And um, mm. the other thing was also writing paid. Mm. So it helped me pay for my school fees at that point in time as well. Right, so right. doing short films, don't, it doesn't pay. <laughs> so yeah, if you're doing a passion project, it's not going to pay. It's, unless you're doing a commission film, mm. which... Uh, take some time to come by right so when you first heard that this I Want to Go Home documentary was actually um, you know when the announcement say that the the, your first full length documentary Mm. was accepted what was your reaction then Uh, it's kind of interesting because um, uh, this project I was wanted to do the book Mm. and the documentary came about because um, okay just to go backwards a bit I wanted to do the book I was trying to find funding to make the book Mm. to make the book possible Mm. but unfortunately there's no such funding Mm. there's maybe there's maybe one or two organisations in Singapore but they kind of turn it down as well Mm. so um, um, there's this organisation in Japan called Tokyo Filmex it's a festival Mm. that I attended um, eight years ago Mm. so every year they ask me hey Wesley what are you working on they just Mm. like to have an update on their alumni so I'm like oh um, so at that point in time I told them oh actually I'm working on I I would love to do this project I'm Mm. writing a book about this this Mm. guy and he happened to be from Japan so I was talking to them about it and then they said, oh, why don't you do a documentary and we'll fund you a little bit to kickstart mm. the project. So I was like, oh, okay. Then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I can use the money to also get the book done. Right, yeah, right. so that's why the documentary had to become like something I had to do. Right. It was never the intention. Okay, okay. Yeah. But would, would, is it a surprise? Are you surprised that, I, you know... I, in- I was very surprised, <laughs> yeah. Because um, to be honest, I, I worked pretty hard on the book. <laughs> I didn't work very hard in the documentary. Um, docu- the documentary is shot by my student I brought okay. up. Okay. So, so is it just t- you and the students involved? Yeah, in and the, the translator. Yeah. And oh. the translator. Oh. So he shot everything. It's just one guy who shot it, did the audio and did mm. everything. Right. And he did really well for the um, for the circumstance that he was in. He's just mm. by himself. Yeah. Um, and then um, I didn't expect so much of the documentary because when I finished editing it, I looked at it and I'm like, uh, I think I could have done better but mm. because of the lack of funding and the lack mm. of time yeah. I realised time constraint yeah so. and my, my mind was always on the book right. and document, documentary was like secondary thing mm. and so when I finished it I thought okay mm, not sure what I'm going to do with it but I'm just mm. going to submit it to a few festivals for mm. fun mm. but I don't think it'll get in so I'm just going to probably post it on YouTube mm. um, like in two months time if I if nothing happens mm. but then um, so that was my intention I just, just post it on YouTube yeah. and then um, two months later I was eating with my wife Mm. having lunch and then I got a message from um, Korea on Facebook Messenger mm. as strange as it is <laughs> and he said hi Wesley I had a contact from yeah. someone else uh, right. I just want to let you know we might want to choose a film for this and oh. stuff like that so I was like what? <laughs> how can this be? and it's kind of surprising because um, when, when I was much younger making all the short films yeah. every year I was submitted to Busan yeah. hoping to get in yeah. but I'll never get in <laughs> And every year when I do the short film, it's always a little bit better. Mm. And I always feel like, okay, I think this is my this year. I think, yeah. I think I'm yeah. going to get yeah. in this year. No, I'll never get in. And then for once when I felt, uh, it's not going to happen. And then mm. you actually got selected. It's kind of weird. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so what's your next project? Um, my next project um, took me a while to to decide what form it was going to be mm. on. So when I was done this, in this, with this project last June, um, about five days later, then I, I started on the, on the new thing. And um, it's a project, um, it's a story about, so I wanted to choose whether it would to be a film or mm. it would to be a book. Mm. And um, as I went on with it, I decided it's going to be a book. Mm. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to regret it, but 
uh, is going to be in the form of a book. And um, mm. it's about um, 1800s in Singapore. Mm. And it's about immigrants who are coming to Singapore to have a, a start of a new life. Right. And uh, they have right. a little bit of a dark past that they're trying to mm. push away. Mm. Yeah. So the reason why it's not filmed because it's like early early 1800s Singapore yeah. and it's like not possible to film. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So High production budget. Mm. It can be an animation stand. So so given, you know, you have been so active in making short films and things like that, you know, in, in Singapore. So do you see the the change or rather I would say do you see the progressions in our local filmmaking industries uh, from when you first started when you're nineteen year old to you know, till now, mm-hmm. right? Um, do you think that the situation has improved um, and it make it easier for young people who want to be a filmmaker to become a filmmaker? I, I think, yes, it has has improved. There's a lot more mm. platforms. Mm. And in terms of um, the skills that stu- students have mm. um, at a, at an early age of like 17, 18, mm. it's like vastly different from, yeah. from mm. even not so long ago, like my time, maybe 15 years ago. Mm. And uh, if I were to compare the projects I did when I was in poly to the projects mm. my students are doing now mm. at the same level, it's... Mm. It's like night. It's like night and day, it, and it's not right. just um the technology. Mm. It's um I think younger um individuals now they are brought up with their iPads, their iPhones, and they're always mm. looking at videos. Mm. They're always um uploading things on Instagram, and even if it's a video you're up- uploading on Instagram, that's actually a form of practice that you're looking at, yeah. and you're mm. taking photos and you're framing things. Mm. Something which you may have not done um um back then. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Um, their their eye for things is way better. How about mm. storytelling? Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I was talking to some people about it. So I think in Singapore we have a lot of not just Singapore but other parts of the world as well. Mm. We have a lot of advances with technology. Mm. Like things look really good. Yeah. Um, All the filters that you can use yeah. so conveniently. Yeah, everyone can yeah. take like wow, a yeah. really nice photo. <laughs> um, even short films look really good sometimes yeah. without mm. too much effort. Mm. Um, but sometimes storytelling still falls short mm. and I, I, I get kind of sad by it because um, storytelling is something I'm very interested in mm. and um, for my postgrad studies I studied um, television writing mm. which is uh, quite specialised in, yeah. in, in a form of writing mm. and I, I realised when I was studying it how um, how uh, how much skill set was needed for mm. just writing mm. and it's not just um hey, I have an interesting story to tell and then mm. this is my interesting story. It's not just that. Yeah. There's so much um, structure structure mm. to it. And mm. I think in our... I think things are changing but it's going to take some time because if I look back into when I was a student and mm. when I was studying filmmaking, mm. how much time was given onto script writing and learning scripts? Mm. I would say almost zero. Mm. Yeah, so... And why, why, was, why was it zero? And mm. the reason is because we probably had... Um, Unfortunately, at that point in time, mm. um, maybe educators who weren't trained in script writing. Mm. So how can they teach something which they don't yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, as time goes by, um, things will will change in that mm. area. Mm. Yeah, because even in our field of um, you know working with our clients, you know at Creative at Works, trying to match um, you know um, suitable freelancers to our client, mm. I think script writing, uh, even copywriting, you know, um, come out as one. It came out to be one of the um, key area mm. that seems to be. Um, you know, quite lacking in that mm. sense. Um, you know, so so the good ones are really good. So so it's like a range, right? The good ones are really good, mm. right? And then um, there's probably a lot of the young ones, um, but they are struggling, right? So in terms of um, this aspect, right? What do you think? What do you think we can do more to actually help um, our freelancers to be more aware, right? That there is a need for good storytelling, and where can they go to to learn more about yeah. it? Mm. 
I think it would be great to have more script writing courses. Mm. But I think, I think at the end of it, there needs to be the demand for these good stories. Mm. If not, like there won't be much appreciation or need for it. Mm. So I think, for example, maybe like local television, mm. if there was a little bit more um, <laughs> necessity for scripts which are, wow, that's kind of groundbreaking mm. and that kind of pushes things ahead mm. um, instead of just recycling ideas. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe there would be a need that will slowly trickle down to having these things to kind of fit that. Mm. But I think if we just have this but then it's going like, there's no need for anything, then right. it's like, yeah, they're learning things which, and then they won't need to put their skills to, to mm. use. Yeah. Mm. Right. I know LaSalle is actually running some writing courses oh, yes, as well yeah, with correct. IMDA, right? So, mm. yeah. So, I think that is like a good one of it, yeah, move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the mm. moves. But I think I'm sure more can be done. Mm. Right. So, we also hear a lot of our freelancers, you know, especially the younger ones, right? Mm. They always come out, they want to be a cameraman, right? Mm. They want to be a director, yeah. right? So, we seldom hear people who say, I want to be a screenwriter. Mm. <laughs> so, is, is that the same thing that you see in the st- students, you know, cohort, in the younger yeah. cohort that yeah. you are handling? It is, it's, it is common because I think director is like the most... I think even for us, when we watch a film, mm. we only remember the director, mm. maybe, and the actors and directors. So if it's a good film, we remember the director. If it's a bad film, like, oh, I don't like that director. <laughs> but then everyone, we just don't remember. Mm. We don't remember the producer, scriptwriter, like, least remembered. Yeah, so it's one of those things. So I think growing up, you would tend to go, oh, I want to be a director to tell mm. my story. Mm. And then, um, but the good thing is that um, when my students come in, they mm. have this kind of thought. Mm. And then as they go along over the next two, three years, they mm. realise, okay, there's these different areas which I actually prefer. Mm. I prefer maybe not just producing, but I prefer under it, I prefer doing like casting mm. or I prefer doing um, art direction or something. Mm. Yeah, mm. so I think it takes time because they are not familiar that these roles um, exist. Yeah. yeah. Do you have students who actually have a very different mindset when they take out the course? Look, so so mm. I think, um, you know, um, one of the... One of the I won't say challenges lah, but one of the common issues that we deal with younger freelancers is um, they always take up media because they thought that is very glam, right? So it's mm-hmm. like the Instagram. They want to be a YouTuber, mm-hmm. you know. So, but then you know the actual um, <laughs> thing about yeah, the, yeah, of the industry is not like that, and yeah. especially if you are a new entrance into the mm-hmm. industry, yeah. you must be very prepared to start from the hands bottom, yeah. Yeah, and you have to be very hands on, mm-hmm. right? Um, so do you have a lot of um, I would say. I wouldn't say complaints, lah, but you know, students coming to you with very different mindset about what is the media industries and then how do you actually help them to overcome, you know, these challenges before they, they go to the workforce? Mm. Um, for my, my students, um, we have, um, when they reach towards the, the third year of their education, mm. they, have, um, they do projects with um, outside clients mm. to kind of give them a taste of uh, an industry project, what it's mm. like to work outside. Yeah. Mm. And then um, one of the issues, one of the problems they face is, mm. oh, how do I communicate with them? Mm. And then they realise, okay, these are like the demands they have. Mm. Um, I need this amount of discipline. I can't come mm. late. Mm. Um, I have to present properly. Mm. And yeah, so that kind of puts them in check at, right. a, at that stage. Okay. Yeah. And then um, I think also the good thing um, about some of my students is that um, as they go progress towards the later stage of their mm. education, they start to do, they start to by themselves take on freelance mm. jobs. So they also have a, a taste of, of how it how it's like mm. and I, I think they also realize hey it's quite different from what I imagine it to be right but at the same time it still can be what you want it to be mm. um, it's just maybe a little bit different mm. from how it looks yeah mm. Mm. so would you see a growing trend in the students wanting to work for themselves rather than to join a production house for example in that sense uh yeah there is there's a quite a a, a, a 
a difference in, in that um, mm. a growing trend in students who going uh, who are going um, I just want to be a freelancer and yeah. I want to do um, the jobs that I want to choose to mm. do um, rather than okay I'm going to work in this company for mm. the next five years mm. so I think it depends also on your on your personality mm. as well um, for example me mm. I'm quite a I wouldn't say scary cat, but <laughs> I'm quite a safe person by, right. by nature. Right. So I like to have something a little bit more permanent in my in my life. Mm. Yeah. So like if I were to do just freelance job, I would feel very uneasy. Mm. Yeah, but that's mm. that's that's me. Mm. So it depends from person to person, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what advice will you give the students who wants to become freelancer? Um I think they have to be are, are you those um, that belong to like like me? <laughs> like I will tell them, you know, you have to like really start from ground up, you know, so that you can learn your ropes with um, you know, with the more experienced freelancers, mm. la, or you know. Mm, in a way, yeah, I would say that as well. And I think being being open to doing, being open to doing things which you may not like at first, mm. or like for the first few years, um, and then being being just having this goal that okay, further down the line. Um, things will work out better and I get mm. to do things that I really, really want to do. Mm. But at the starting stage, you may do things which you don't really want to do, but mm. you have to do it because it's a job. Mm. Yeah, so I think being able to accept that is, is mm. important. Yeah. Um, mm. Putting your, your dreams aside just for a moment and learn the skill set required. Because mm. I think even in the freelance industry, it's, it's very dependent on... Um, people you know to get your next job yeah. yeah and how well you do for this one and then it leads on you to the next one yeah, yeah so yeah it's one of those things yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of like life itself yeah. yeah so but what other things that you think um, the school can prepare you know students who want to actually take on the journey of um, you know becoming a freelancer mm-hmm. to actually um, you know um, learn better right before they actually join the industry um, you know is there certain things that you think we could do better so that we better prepare the students who is ultimately going to join the industries. Um, they could go for like a we could get like companies to come down to talk to the mm. students. Mm. Um, there will be like career day kind of a mm. thing. Um, there will mm. be good. Um, doing industry projects also helps. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, perhaps even having like a, a talk about how to conduct yourself as a freelancer mm. in Singapore yeah. Would, yeah. would help as well and what to expect and mm. also, um, what are, where are the different platforms you can go to to mm. find freelance jobs? Mm. Um, that would help as well. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. So, so um, you know, be, before uh, I, there was one session, we we're just um talking to one of our guests about mm. insurance protections and all this. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, you know, being young people, you know, are those some of the issues that's on, on top of the students' mind? At at least for those who want to actually be a freelancers, you know. So or or what is actually on their mind? Of those uh, um, younger freelancers, what I notice, or maybe I, uh, from from my point of view, yeah. I think maybe money and like insurance and all that is yeah. probably one of the last things mm. on their mind, mm. and I think that also kind of got them there into liking filmmaking. Mm. I think I think going into the arts, your I think your mind is a bit different, <laughs> and money is like I want to earn the most money. It's not really the thing that's right. that's there. That's on the top priority. Yeah. yeah, if not, you probably would have gone to like engineering or something. Yeah. Mm. So the way they look at life is probably a little bit different already. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think they're a little bit um, prepared to, to for certain things. La. But right. I think when you're younger, um, 
finances may if you're financially okay mm. then having not so much money is still okay mm. but then maybe as you get older you might want different things mm. in your life yeah mm. so at Creative Level we also hold a freelancing bootcamp one mm. <laughs> where yes. we condense like you know all the topics the, the dry topics yeah. you know all the necessity um, resources that they need to know into a two-day uh, workshop mm. which, which you know potentially can help the freelancers la. but mm. I have a very in- interesting question which I think um, is facing a lot of industries mm. which is working with millennials okay. <laughs> I mean if let's say majority yeah. of our students come to be freelancer yeah. and you know they take on like projects um, you know they will work with you know um, you know different generations of freelancers mm. so what advice do you have for our you know an the older freelancers on how do we how can we accept to um, work together seamlessly mm. with the millennials freelancers <laughs> <laughs> do you see any difference yeah do you see any difference yeah. to begin with I haven't had the experience of, of seeing that, that that contrast yet oh. right, on my side right. but oh, okay. yeah so I'm not so sure how to answer <laughs> that but okay. but I think being from what what I think is mm. uh, maybe just being accepting Mm. To to each other is important. Mm. Easier mm. easier said than done, But mm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, but I think um, that is something that not only just the film in the filmmaking yeah, industries, I, but it's like every industries right right now they need to deal with uh, in, every book that they need to be inclusive, yeah. collaborative. I mean, it's mm. just how the world goes, right? Mm. So it's just for freelancing industries yeah. a bit more prominent because yeah. um, you don't work with the same group. Yeah, yeah. Day out. you yeah. change the group. Yeah, yeah. So it is important to know. Um, how each generation, you know, mm. think, function. Yeah, kind of the values or you know, the media they're exposed to will shape the way. So mm. if we understand each other more, you know. I yeah. see. Because right now, mm. there's not a lot of crossover, I feel. Mm. I feel um, different sets of freelancers still tend to work within their comfortable zone. Mm. Yeah, mm. Which which is not good because the, the we, we don't we don't tap into fresh ideas from the mm. younger freelancers. Mm. And then mm. the younger freelancers also find it hard to, to you know, cross mm. over. Mm. So this is one thing that, you know, I think yeah. the industry has to... Yeah, I think we are at a cross point now, right? Because yeah. we have enough of such millennials coming into the workforce. Yeah. And at the same time, we also have a lot of the senior ones who are still in the workforce, right? Mm. So, um, and, and because right now, they still hasn't really intercept a lot, right? Um, because those who join Production House probably already inherited the mindset because, you know, it's been taught down. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. But it's the freelancers, right? Who hasn't joined a Production House before, before. but yeah. is working on themselves now. So how do they actually handle, you know, situation like this, right? Uh, where you know, um, different people are working together and mm. then how do they... But I guess um, that's the whole reason of filmmaking because everybody has an ultimate goal at the end. You know, it's like, I, it's to accomplish, work together for that film. So mm. at least, you know, everybody is working towards the right direction. Mm. It's just that, you know, daily, how do you handle that kind of conversation? Mm. How do you handle yeah. that kind of conflicts? Yeah. yeah. But I guess young people being young people, they always think that they are, um, you know, they, they are you know, big MIT and things like that, right? So mm. I think, you know, they probably don't think so much about it because it's like, you know, it's just my job, you know, I yeah. want to do it, right? So, but probably it's the more senior people who think a lot and maybe read a lot into this, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah, so so I think yeah, it, it takes a while for the two generations to come together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think in terms of filmmaking-wise, right, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are some of the advice that you would give to a young filmmakers, you know, um, today? Um, you know, if they are very interested to actually kickstart their first project. You know, um, going through, mm. you know, making 13 to 14 short films yourself, <laughs> repeating the same thing and, you know, knocking on different doors. Yeah. What are some of the advice that you give to somebody who is just starting out and wanted to try? Um, for me, I would tell them um, to 
do the films that they want to do mm. because probably at this stage you're doing a film which is not going to be funded mm. and um, I find it intriguing because um, when you get to do a film that you want to do you can choose any story in the whole entire world mm. and why would you choose a certain story and uh, mm. look at the story and feel like why is this important why is this something you want to tell mm. and I think um, you can join competitions I think mm. that's great especially when you're starting in the first few films to mm. win stuff not so not so you can get some money and do more films and also mm. to get some recognition and some platform to, to, to mm. do your work um, and then I think as you go along for me at least for me mm. I start to think about um, it's not just any project but a project on why I want to tell this project. Mm. Um, is it important to tell this story? Mm. And on a technical side, it's more about um, how difficult is this project for me mm. um, in terms of its technical or creative aspect? Mm. Um, how much will this push me? Mm. So for me, when I, I do a project, um, I if it's something I know how to do, mm. I usually don't do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for example, this book, the reason why I wanted to write it is because I did not know how to write this story mm. I don't know how to how do I even put this together thing? yeah mm. so I did, because I did not know how to do it it's something I, I want to do mm. doing the documentary is something like came like just second hand and I was like okay put this together and it's done mm. yeah so it wasn't too it didn't take too much from me mm. and then for example the project I'm doing next that's mm. about 1800 Singapore mm. and I know nothing about it mm. and I for me it's the challenge of um, how do you make 1800 Singapore interesting for someone to read yeah. and um and how do I write the story in a way where um, there's some technical aspect to it which I have no mm. idea how to do mm. where I'm dealing with a lot of uh, flashbacks and stuff and how do how do I write that? Mm. So it's something I'm still struggling with mm. and uh, that's what makes me want to do it. Mm. So I think the advice to someone is um, to do something that pushes you to, yeah. to the next level mm. and perhaps at some stage is to think about if you could only make one more film in your life, um, what would it be? Mm. And perhaps that's the film you should you should make mm. um, once you're more um, prepared to yeah. take that on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, you know, we also hear a lot of filmmakers, um, especially local filmmakers, mm. that you know, Singapore is a very small market, right? So we are always constrained about critical mass and things like that. Um, and then when we look around the region, like for example, Indonesia, Thailand, or okay, and, and then for the Korea and uh, Hong Kong, mm. Japan, and all this, right? So um, their filmmaking um, seems to have progressed, right, a lot over the last 10 years and just look at China right yeah. so it's just kind yeah. of you know move in a very different directions <laughs> you know and it's like still you know charging forward like never stopping so comparatively right do you think that local filmmakers actually faces more challenges in time to come compared to the say the filmmakers in Indonesia Malaysia and yeah. things like that mm. yeah I think um, fortunately I think the biggest ish problem that Singapore has is that it's, it's its size mm. and um, because we have such a small population and if you make a film and if you want a certain amount of people in Singapore to watch it, and even mm. if that percentage went to watch, you still may not even make a profit because mm. we are that small. Um, so every time Singapore makes a film, they need to think bigger. Mm. Like, can this film sell in Malaysia? Can this yeah. film sell in other parts of the world? Right. Because Singapore is really not your target audience. Mm. So it's that struggle, uh, you know, like, do I make a film that's for Singapore, very local, or do I make a film that's a little bit more generic for mm. everyone to watch? Mm. So... I think Singapore's problem is its size because mm. at the end of the day, filmmaking, um, in terms of its like feature films and mm. stuff, is a business, mm. and um, if it's not going to be sustainable, then it's mm. not going to work. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think there's so much like support you can give it um, mm. until how long. Mm. Yeah. So, but the good thing is that I think they are thinking of ways on mm. how to expand it, right. how to sell it to other countries, mm. and stuff like that. So right. that seems to work mm. to some degree. 
Is that one of the reasons why you have chosen um, this team as well? Because it's Singapore-Japan, so it kind of naturally gives you an additional market. Or oh, that wasn't mm. a consideration back then. Strangely, um, <laughs> strangely, this although it's um, Singapore and Japan, yeah. um, it's not been shown in Japan. Oh. And the book is not okay. available in Japan as well. Oh. Okay. And it's not like I, I don't want it to. Okay. So far, no Japanese festival is picking it up. Okay. And secondly, no Japanese publisher is picking it up as well. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of strange. So <laughs> that was one of my, oh, I would love to share it to the Japanese right. community, but it's right. like, oh, it's kind of not happening. <laughs> but hopefully one day it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this one, I think, I think um, I didn't really think, the, the, the issue with this one is mm. that because it's a story about Japan, it's about mm. men in Japan, mm. it was really difficult to get local funding for mm. it. Because mm. like, I mean, for their point of view, it's, this is yeah. not about Singapore, this yeah. is not a Singapore story, why should yeah. I fund it? Right. So, which is why I, I kind of understand why they did not want to um, fund it. But in the end, um, like for example, IMDA did come in with some, some amount of funds as well. So that's, mm. that's great. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's a very interesting or that's a very good advice for local mm. filmmakers because um, I think everybody has some passion that they want to do certain stories that they want to tell. But um, you know, as as we all know in Singapore, it's definitely not the easiest way or the easiest place to start. But if they manage to push it through, mm. right? So good things like I want to go will <laughs> suffice yeah. and hope more to come actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um. Before we actually round up, uh, mm. Wesley, we just have one last questions for sure. you. Right, we ask um, all our guests. Yes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> what would you tell your younger self? Oh. If hmm. you have one piece of advice to your younger yeah. self, what would what that would be? be? <laughs> uh, hmm. This is... Don't worry. Take some time to think about it. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I would tell my younger self um, when I was in poly and when I was in... Uh, after that, during my graduate studies, I did not really do much or any freelance work. Mm. Um, it's only in my postgraduate studies that I started to do a lot more freelance work. Mm. And um, I would tell myself to do more freelance work mm. back then because I mm. think that would have um, trained me better mm. um, to give me more experience. Mm. So my experience with like the industry mm. came very, very late in mm. um, my um, education and career in a mm. way. Mm. So um, I would tell myself, uh, tell myself to to go ahead and 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 do that. Mm. Um, whether it's for the money or the experience, it's mm. uh, actually really, really, really important. Mm. And to mm. make those connections and mm. everything like that, yeah. So. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think that's also something that we actually also advise uh, a lot of our freelancers or freelancers to be as well, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, because I think the most important thing is making connections. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so much that oh, you 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 want the job because you want the money or things like that, but mm. really, you know, through a, that's how you learn through a project, right? Yeah. That's for the creative sectors. Yep. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, thank Wesley. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um. So we'll do our roundup. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Freelance Creative Exchange. Subscribe to iTunes and Spotify and leave us a review. Also subscribe to our YouTube and leave a comment because we want to hear what you think. Let us know the questions of the freelancers you want to hear from. Follow us at Creative Network Facebook page and Instagram. Join us next time for a brand new episode of Freelance Creative Exchange. Till then, then, bye. Bye. Thanks. Thanks, Wesley. Thank <laughs>